Pastor Xavier Reese and an earnest expression of thanks to the Creator from the Psalms. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. He doesn't tell us to understand all mysteries. He tells us to understand certain things. That He is King of all the earth. And for this, sing praises with understanding. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In the world of ancient Israel, the trumpet made the strongest and clearest sound. It was the sound of victory. And so to honor God clearly and strongly for His victory on their behalf, the sound of a trumpet was heard. Yet as we, the New Testament Church, read of the call to praise of Psalm 47, there's a sense that it's almost a command. A fitting command nonetheless, says Pastor Xavier, since the highest use of the gift of music is to praise the God who gave it. Let's rejoin him now, continuing his verse-by-verse -verse series of the Psalms. Psalm 46. It's a psalm to the chief musician of the sons of Korah again. It's a song of Alamoth, which is believed to mean a soprano voice. It's a trilogy of praise. This is the first of three, two to follow after this one. It's a psalm of confidence in God's ultimate triumph. It's apocalyptic in nature as God subdues all things, the end days. Verses 1 through 3, you have confidence in God's protection. Verses 4 through 7, you have confidence in being close to God. Verses 8 through 11, you have confidence in God's power, establish His kingdom. Verse 1, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah, pause. And so here the cry of confidence. You know, when you come to the Lord, you know, you know you're in the Lord's hands. And if you live in a place and everybody's freaking about different things, you know, you can just rest. Be concerned, be wise, but you've got to trust and rest in God. Verse 4, he says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. Rivers are spoken very much through Scripture. They're symbolic of God's power, of God's purifying agency, if you will. Zechariah 4.8, Ezekiel 47 speaks about that river that will come forth from Jerusalem, it'll heal the Dead Sea, it'll go out to the Mediterranean. Uh, Revelations 22 speaks of the river and fruit on either side. And, and there's always that, that symbolism of water because water has power and has a cleansing agency and it's fresh and it's clear and it's always used through Scripture all the time. And so here he speaks of that river whose stream shall be glad in the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. <laughs> you say that it's the darkest time. God comes through. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. 
He uttered his voice, the earth melted. Verse 6 really describes the end of the age. When everything will melt, God will redo everything. The kingdom's rage, Psalm 2. But in that day, he's just going to let everything go. Colossians says that he, everything consists in him. The word, Greek word is everything is held together by him. And all he's going to say is, like he said, light be, he's going to say, okay, let go. In the nucleus of the atom, they don't know why the particles hold together. But Colossians tells us God holds it all together. Could it be in that day Jesus says, okay, let go. Everything burned up. Everything disintegrated. I mean, stop and think about how much harder is that for God to hold it together if He created it. No big deal. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, in being near to God, and having fellowship with God is the protection. Not in the environment, not in the surroundings, but in you being close to God and God being close to you. That's where it's at. He says, Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolation in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. The Old Testament scriptures speak that in that day they will turn their spears into pruning hooks and, and, and uh, shall destroy their, their instruments of warfare. And God will turn everything to peace in that day. He'll reign on the earth. He's speaking about the millennial reign here when He's reigning. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is an interesting term throughout the Old Testament and means the captain that really controls and commands the armies of heaven. You remember Jesus said, Do you not know that I can call down legions now? I mean, one little angel went out and wiped out 185,000 in one night. What do you think a legion of angels would do? He's the host of heaven. He's the captain who commands them. At his word, as his thought, they are there. It would wipe this earth out. And so, this is the one who controls us. This is the one who's in control. This is the one who we serve. The one who is all-powerful. Psalm 47, the second of this trilogy in praise. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah again to the chief musician. It's a psalm that calls people to praise God as the ruler of the earth. It's uh, one of the enthronement psalms when the king was crowned. Psalm 93 and then Psalm 95 through 100 are also enthronement psalms. It's read on the Jewish New Year seven times. Uh, the division is real simple and basic. Verses 1 through 4, you have the conquering king. Verses 5 through 9, you have the enthroned king. Again, it's a twofold application. First, to the king reigning at that time. Long term wise, the king Christ Jesus who will reign ultimately in the millennial reign. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he 
loves. The psalm says that we don't see all things yet under his feet. But he sits at the right hand of the Father until he, all of his enemies are made his footstool and put under his feet. Interesting that he mentions Jacob here, the excellence of Jacob whom he loves. You know, when I read about Jacob that God loves him, then that gives hope for me. Because Jacob was a rat, wasn't he? God always gives us practical people we can identify with. And, and, and we look around and we say, man, there's hope. I mean, he, he loved Jacob. He was merciful to Lot. Um, I mean, I can identify with guys like that. I don't know about you. And yet if he loved Jacob, how much more does he love us? We're in the New Testament grace. We are under sonship, adoption. We have been brought right before the throne of God. They could never come before the throne of God. The high priest had to go. Interesting. Verse 5, he says, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. <laughs> he doesn't tell us to understand all mysteries. He tells us to understand certain things. That he is king of all the earth. And for this sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits in his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Sometimes it seems like God's not on the throne, doesn't it? You look to our nation and you look to our world. And it would seem at times that God is not on the throne. Isaiah, when the days when Hezekiah died, Isaiah saw the vision of God and His throne. His glory filled the temple. And he says, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in Isaiah 6. Sometimes God has to remove everything and everyone around us so that we can look up and get a vision of God. We have our eyes so much on man. Israel had their eyes on Hezekiah. And God had to remove him so they can get their eyes back on God. It's a dangerous thing to get our eyes on man. You get your eyes on God. Over and over and over again. Psalm 48. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. It's a song of praise of Zion, the Lord's holy mountain. It's the third of the trilogy praise. And here it's neat because he's going to deal with, with Jerusalem. Verses 1 through 3, we get God's delight in Zion. Verses 4 through 8, you get God's protection of Zion. And verses 9 through 14, you get God's goodness to Zion. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? over to Israel. If you ever get a chance, go. You go over there one time and this Bible will become so alive to you. When you read it, you will think, when you read about Galilee, you'll think about Galilee up in the Golan Highs. You'll, when you go speak about David running from King Saul, you'll think about down in Gedi, the Dead Sea. You'll go up to Masada, you walk through the old city, you'll see the Wailing Wall. I mean, you'll be on the Mount of Olives. And here in the Psalm, 
48, Zion is, is, is really the heart of God. He says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. It sits high on the hill. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is her palaces. He is known in her refuge. When you come into Jerusalem, it's a beautiful sight, especially if you come in when the sun is setting. Because if you come from the one side, you just kind of wind around, and all of a sudden you come over that hill, and you get to just, the first thing you see is the dome of the rock. And that sun just hits it and it's just golden. And that, that sunlight just beams off and it hits all the Jerusalem stone. And it's kind of a golden view of the whole city. It's beautiful. I mean, there's just something about it. When I say it's beautiful, I, I've been to more beautiful places than, than Israel and, and Jerusalem. But there's just a certain beauty about it because of the scriptures and our Lord and, and, and our whole heritage and, and, and the years, just all that's there. And as you look upon it, I mean, there's more rocks there than everywhere else in the world. The, the Jews have a joke, and they said that when God distributed um, the rocks on the earth, he, he, had, he commanded it to two angels, and one of them dumped it on Israel, and the other one throughout the whole world. And, and, and if you ever go over there, you'll know what he's talking about. Because there's rock all over the place. I'm not talking about little pebbles. I'm talking about bedrock all over and just come out of the earth and everything. That's a rocky place. And what did Jesus do? He used parables of rock. Shallow earth, rock underneath. He used the topography, he used the geography around, he used the common things of the day to teach the people of the day. And so God has chosen Jerusalem. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together and saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold on them there and pain as a woman in travail. And when you broke the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. In other words, God protected. People wanted to attack Israel, Jerusalem, and yet God wore them off. God destroyed them. I mean, you have to look at that city, all the history, all the wars, everything else, and you have to just say, it's only God that is still standing. <laughs> just in many of the archaeological digs that they're still doing, they were doing some digs and they broke open some old sewers from the day of Herod. They were still working. Wish we had plumbers like them in those today, huh? Verse 80 says, As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness. In the midst of your temple, according to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. In other words, the way God has judged and watched over Jerusalem, there's just an awe and His faithfulness to her over and over and over again. Now the psalmist says, look, if you don't believe me, walk around. Walk about Zion. Go all around her. Count her towers. There's none missing. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generations following. For this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Psalm 49 
a psalm of the sons of Korah once again to the chief musician. It's a psalm concerning the problems of the wicked who prosper and the righteous who suffer. That's always a problem. Doesn't it bug you? It bugs me at times. I mean, I, I see some guys that really, I, I go, I know it may blow you away, but I say, man, Lord, why don't you let them have it? I mean, I just like to see them get it. You know, just a little bit, just one time. It just drives me nuts sometimes, but the Lord is in control. Verses 1 through 4, you have the call to hear. Verses 5 through 13, the foolishness of trusting in riches. Verses 14 through 20, the temporalness of riches. Verse 1, he says, Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall bring understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark sayings on the harp. So here in his harp, he's going to uh, minister on and teach and instruct regarding the poor, the rich, the high, and the low. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Interesting. No matter how much money you have, you cannot bargain with God. You can't say, hey, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you let me in. All the money in the world didn't help the richest man in the world when he died. And you know how much he took with him? Absolutely nothing. For the redemption of their souls is costly and it shall cease forever. That he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees that wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish and leaves their wealth to others. Think it well through, Christian. If the Lord should tarry, and you and I should live our life out. Who are you going to leave your money to? To godly people? Or ungodly people? God will hold you accountable what you do with your money. Even when you leave it. I guarantee you. The inner thoughts is that their houses will continue forever. The rich man says, hey, I'm not going to die. That's why they build huge houses. That's why they put... You know, John Taylor's Hall. They put their names over places because they want to say, I am never going to die. My name's going to live on. Not so. And their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own names. <laughs> Interesting. They want to perpetuate their names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. He dies. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings. They pat each other on the back. They name buildings after each other. Lands. Big deal. You're in hell and they name the hall after you. You're eternally lost, but they've named the country after you. Kind of foolish, isn't it? When you really, it's like, what do you compare it to? It's like uh, going to the store and in one hand you have monopoly money and in the other hand you have regular money. There's no comparison. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. That's an interesting term. 
The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. All these people that uh, with their tummy tucks, their facelifts, their nose jobs, their breast implants, their everything else that they tuck in, you're going to die right on time. You're just going to be the best looking person at Rose Hills. That's all. But the grace is going to consume your beauty. Learn to grow old gracefully. Grace coming in, great. Wrinkles coming in, they're going to come. Take care of your body. Take care of your fitness. I mean, you know, start by doing one push-up away from the dinner table. And, and, and you know, but don't live for your body. You're not going to be what you were when you were 20. I don't care who you are. You may look in the mirror and say, I look the same, but you're not the same. There's no way. But God is graceful. He does it slowly, but He does it surely. <laughs> so enjoy life. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me. Here's the contrast. God will redeem me. Do not be afraid when one becometh rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. You've heard it said many times. No hearse has ever hauled a U-Haul. Leave everything behind. Though while he lives, he blesses himself. Yes, material possessions can bless you very much. They are very comfortable. They do good in this life. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generations of his fathers. Isn't it interesting? Uh, let, me, let me open your eyes a little bit. If you are a, a mechanical engineer, if you are an electrical engineer, if you are a lawyer, if you are whatever you do for a living, and you invite some friends over your house, and, and, and God has blessed you, and you have a beautiful home, and you have you know, a Mercedes in one side of the garage and you have a beamer on the other and you go outside and you have your pool your jacuzzi split level back you have balconies you have all kinds of stuff and people come say wow man you really that's good and your education and you work hard but if a minister invites you over his house and he has a clean decent house and he happens to have a new car in the garage an average car and he has pretty nice furniture and even has a jacuzzi. <laughs> you certainly don't think right off the bat, my, you have done good in your profession. Why is it that we're like that? Somehow we think that pastors and Christians have to be in poverty. Now, be open to it. But it's not a requirement to be a Christian. And if God wants you to be poor, let me tell you, you will have no problem being poor. <laughs> God will see fit to that. But just an eye-opener. Funny how we respond differently depending who it is, isn't it? Why is it? Blow my mind. Verse 20. Man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beast that perish. We're all going to die, people, one of these days. But the Christian doesn't die, he moves. He leaves his old funky house and he takes on his mansion. So when you hear that Xavier has died, don't believe it. I've moved. And I'll see you in a little while too.
the Psalms a great treasure for us. We need to read them, meditate upon them, and learn from them. Pastor Xavier Reese wrapping up his look into Psalm 49 with the simple truths of true wealth and the world to come. Now you can request your own CD copy of this study from a verse-by-verse study series of the book of Psalms. Today's message is simply titled Psalms chapters 42 through 49 and is available for only $4 upon request. By the way, we'll be including much more material on the CD than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title to ask for is Psalms chapters 42 through 49. Or you can always just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Psalms right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com